This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss, and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life, and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This episode is sponsored by Diana Lee, the author of Silently Said. I believe with all my heart that underneath we as human beings are all the same. We have different circumstances and backgrounds, but underneath we're really all the same. We all have fears, experience struggle, and at times feel lost and alone. We may even question our value or purpose. This is why hearing the raw, real, and vulnerable stories of others helps us. We don't feel so alone in navigating life, and by learning how others rise through the storm, we become inspired that we too can do the same. I read Silently Said, and I'm so honored to share my experience. Often, it takes me a while for me to get into a book, and most books I don't even finish, but not this book. I was engaged from the first chapter, and I truthfully did not want to put it down. It was both heartwarming and heartbreaking. The wisdom is timeless, and it will help you view your own life differently. This is a must-read, and I highly encourage you to get your copy today. Nestled in a quaint and quiet small town just down a dusty gravel road lived a family plagued with a mystery they can't solve. Diana, born in March of 1978, the youngest of four children, all born within six years, is caught in the crossfires of distress battling her own illness and the ones haunting the family. Diana and her siblings must make their way in the world as their mother's health fails and their father's alcoholism strangles the family system. Roles shift, no longer dependent on age or ability, but who can do the job. They say lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot, but as luck would have it, for the Kirk family it does. With flight or fight ignited, Diana operates in full survival mode. A writer at heart, Diana harnessed the healing powers of writing. This is her healing journey. This is episode 063, Live the life you're meant to live with David Irvine. 
I am so glad you tuned into this episode today. The whole goal of this podcast is to help you, the listener, lead your best life. This conversation will help you with that in many ways. Today's guest, David Irvine, is a world-renowned speaker, author, and trusted leadership advisor. With more than 40 years of experience as a family therapist, workshop facilitator, lecturer, and advisor to executives, David has dedicated his life to helping leaders create accountable and authentic organizations. With advanced degrees in human development, science, and social work, David takes a unique approach to leadership development that helps leaders amplify their impact by discovering and deepening their authentic presence. David is a best-selling author of seven books with over 300,000 copies sold worldwide, and he hosts the podcast, The Leader's Navigator, with his daughter, Haley. As a former nationally ranked distance runner, he maintains an active lifestyle of yoga, boxing, and hiking. David lives with his wife in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains near Cochrane, Alberta. In the next 40 minutes, you will learn how authenticity is key to creating meaning in your life. We explore the journey of defining who you are and what will support you. And with David's help, you will be guided to a life of passion and purpose. Thank you for listening. And when this conversation inspires you, make sure and pass it along to a friend. Welcome to the show, David. I have actually admired your work for quite some time now, and I'm, I'm really quite honored and thrilled that I have the chance to chat with you today and share you with my audience. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Corliss. This will be a great conversation. I know we're both very heart-centered leaders, so I know that the listeners are going to get a lot of enjoyment out of this because a lot of the listeners align with that as well. So we're talking about living the life that you're meant to live. Let's start with authenticity, you know, that big word that I think sometimes we have trouble stepping into, yet it's really key to living our best life. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you feel authenticity is key? Well, it is definitely my life's work from my own challenges to to learn to be authentic. Here's what I've come to know. Authenticity is a lot like beauty. That you know it when you're with it and when you experience it, but it's very hard to articulate what that is. So it's like going into an art museum and you have the experience of beautiful art and then you walk out and someone says, articulate why that was beautiful and you have you just have to say well you just kind of have to experience it so that's kind of the theory of of authenticity now it all started back in the 90s for me around articulating this notion of authenticity when we were doing work around accountability and we were taking our accountability work around the world but something was missing because it was becoming transactional so i i always say I used to think you had to know something to write a book about it. What I've discovered is if you want to if you want to learn something, write a book about it. And, and so I wanted to learn about leadership and what was missing here. And so we interviewed thousands of people and we basically asked them, what do you want from your leaders? And what we got was we want from our leaders, same thing we want from ourselves. And that is that we want our leaders to get past the fads and the gimmicks and the flavors of the month. We just want our leaders to be real. So I started to write a book about real leadership. And what I discovered in my research and work is that before you can be a real leader, you first of all have to be a real human being. And then from that, that's where you really impact the world is when you're becoming real and you really you know who you are and you come from that place, that core place of who you are, not from what the world expects. It's like, don't 
ask for the, you know, don't ask what makes you come alive. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go and do it because what the world needs is for you to come alive. And that's the essence of what I learned in my research this last 20 years and, and, and working with leaders to know that core and then come from that core. That's where you really make an impact. Wow. Do what makes you come alive. Just like do that. And that's going to, that creates real leadership. Yeah. That's what the world needs. I agree completely. So how does a person get to that place where they feel confident enough to, to do that? Like, how do you become confident in who you are to be authentic and step into that, I guess? Well, first of all, you have to understand the roots of authenticity. So authenticity, we are all born authentic. We are born as a seed of possibility. And just as an acorn seed is meant and destined to one day be a giant oak tree, we are all destined to live our authentic self. But we grow up in this culture that teaches us how we should be. And so we construct a self and we move away from our authenticity in order to feel safe and in order to feel accepted in the world. And we lose connection with our authentic self because we try to please the world as opposed to staying connected to ourself. And we all go through this. Now, there's also another side of ourself. There's this, cons this constructed self, but there's also this adolescent self, this impulsive self. And so you have to be really careful. Just because you have a desire for something doesn't mean that it's authentic. Sometimes it can come from an impulsive, addictive side of our nature or an adolescent side of our nature. It's not necessarily authentic. So people walk around being a jerk. It's authenticity has taken a bad rap in organizations today because people walk around being a jerk and say, well, that's just my authentic self. No, were you born authentic? Were you born a jerk? No one was born a jerk. Jerk, being a jerk is a, is a coping mechanism. It's something that you learned in your life in order to feel safe. So that be careful that you have to also, you have to be, authenticity will always be respectful of others. And I always say authenticity is really three things. It's beauty, truth, and love. That is the essence of a baby when they come into the world. And in order to be authentic, it's in, unarguable because it will be connected to one of those or three of those values. So uh, I love this. So is living the life that you're meant to live and being authentic kind of where a place to begin would be to reconnect to the beauty, truth, and love of who you are? Yes. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, you slow down. Because on a practical level, we are all, especially in an age of, of internet and devices and being available to the world 24-7, uh, I, 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 I talk to people that wake up to their devices and the first thing they do is check, check their posts or check the internet in the morning. And so we're reactive to the world. This is not a path to authenticity. We have to be still and listen to an inner voice. You know, I'm 66 years old. How many voices do you think there are in this world about how to be a cool 66-year-old? The advertising. The, this is what you should be. Now, how many voices are there in this world that helps me affirm my own voice? So being still is a strategy and learning to listen 
to an inner voice. Number two is to have a community around us. And this is what we've now built, a community of, of practice where we have a peer mentoring program of self-awareness, where we meet on a monthly basis in small groups. And we have facilitators on a monthly basis that guide us through a group process to what's really true for each of us and to support us to live our true lives. This is the work you're doing, I know, in your community. Um, it's another uh, process, another way of defining your authentic, clarifying and identifying and excavating, if you will, your authentic self is to, is to really look at your life story and to begin to track your defining moments that at the time were a crisis, but in time's perspective, you begin to look back and realize, oh, those were actually moments that were helping open a door to my authenticity. My struggle through depression, through addiction, through the dark snake pit of mental illness and challenges mentally were actually a gift to open me to my heart. And I could not do this work today, Corliss, had I not had those experiences of taking me down. We all talk about growing up. I talk about growing down, where we connect with something deeper within us that the world tells us to stay away from. Stay away from grief. Just stay busy. Don't grieve the loss of a parent. Don't grieve the, the you know, don't, don't face your fears run away from them, and we miss an opportunity. It's not bad, but we miss an opportunity to connect with the life that we're meant to live. Oh, I feel like you're giving me a breath of fresh air listening to you. It's, it's interesting because just before we started recording, I had shared with you that there was something I was so incredibly excited about that's happened. It's a part of my vision and, you know, it had just, it was very fresh. So I was very excited to share that with you. And what I didn't tell you was just prior to that happening today, this morning, I had a whole list of things that I needed to do, but I was feeling slightly anxious and recognizing that these deadlines were there, but they were really my deadlines. And instead of avoiding it, I decided and putting my head down and just getting to work, I decided this morning that I would go and get grounded and be still and slow down. And I didn't even listen on my walk. I didn't even listen to a podcast or anything motivational. I just looked around, looked at the sky. I went and sat down in the grass. I did some stretching and I just reconnected with my soul. And honestly, I think that that aligned me back for the beautiful things to show up that did after that, instead of like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. So I love everything that you're saying and, and I've lived it in my own life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I try to constantly do that, but sometimes I get pulled back, even if I know different and I'm guessing the listeners are going to feel the same, you know, different, you know, you need to slow down, you know, you need to be around the right community, you know, that you need to, you know, do all these things, but then you can get pulled away by outside distractions. What, what would you say to the person who's in that place? Well, we need to practice we need a daily practice of going inside. Authentic people that I have met in my life have a daily practice that it doesn't matter what they're feeling, they go inside. Now, you mentioned two things. First of all, 
you acknowledged you were anxious. See, many people, I, and I know this in myself, I can be anxious and I don't, I'm so anxious, I don't even know that I'm anxious because I'm not present to my anxiety. You just stopped and recognized I'm anxious. See, this is connecting to your authentic self is being present. This is where life is lived. My brother taught me this when he was dying. His dying taught me that the reason why life is, is this awareness that life is very temporary. And when we need to be present to it, that when, when we're present to it, that can guide us to our authenticity. Nature is another opportunity. If you go out and be in nature, I get, you know, listening to podcasts. I mean, hopefully we'll listen to this podcast when we're out maybe for a walk. But are we also taking that time to actually be present? Some people can't drive without the radio on. They can't walk without music on without a distraction we've become so distracted from ourselves and we have avoided the discomfort of facing yourself and you wonder i i talk to people all the time i don't know what my passion is well you have to stop and take a look at your life and be with your life to know what your passion is we all have a passion but if we're so busy we can't connect with it so pause and recognize that we have to, in order to be authentic, we have to let life catch up to us and be present to us. So you've just operated, you've just illustrated two ways of being authentic is what you did today. Now, I would suggest the opportunity for your, for your listeners to turn that into some kind of a practice where you maybe have a sitting practice every day where regardless of how you feel, from six o'clock in the morning until 6.30, I'm just gonna sit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my day slowly and connect first of all with myself before I turn on any emails, before I turn on any devices, I'm gonna connect with my heart and connect with my soul. Now, people can get very dis uncomfortable with that. That's a great opportunity to stay with that practice, even if it becomes uncomfortable. You can take a meditation class, you can learn, that's a practice a yoga practice every morning, a walk in nature is a practice every morning that you do regardless of how you feel, you just do it. It's a scheduled time. My wife walks the dogs every lunch hour. She wouldn't consider herself a necessarily a spiritual practitioner. She just walks the dogs every noon. And whenever I can, I like to join her. But that's her practice. And you know, it's nice to have dogs because they won't let you off the hook. You got to go and walk them. But that's her practice to connect with herself. She gets some sunlight. She gets some fresh air. She's connected to nature, to the dogs, and most importantly, to herself. She doesn't even know that it's an authentic practice, but that's, she wouldn't call it that. But when you remind her of that, she's, oh yeah, I guess I do. I connect with myself every day. You've said a lot there. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm listening to, because I heard something a long time ago, and it stuck with me that self-discipline is doing the things you know you should do, even when you don't want to do them. So you have to make a decision to be self-disciplined. And what you're telling us is so invaluable because if you just make that decision to like have a daily practice to connect to yourself, that's going to lead you to living the life that you're meant to live. 
It's one of the tools. It's one of the practices, like one of the practices every day to do that. Now, the key is don't do what I say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not the I'm not the expert here in your life. What kind of a practice do you need to guide you to yourself on a day-to-day -day basis? But in my observation and research over these last consciously probably 25 years of doing this focused work around authenticity, I've just noticed that people that I respect who are aligned with their life, their work is aligned with their life, they have a practice that they adhere to. They have a community that they rely on that will help guide them to their own truth, that will not take them away from their own truth. Mm, that is amazing. I love that. Uh, hey, so David, talking about your steps here, I'd like to actually bring you back to some of the, the different pieces that you shared earlier. So look at your life like a story and the defining moments that, you know, in each of our story, because when we start looking at those pieces of our story and the, the gifts that came from those defining moments, that's when we can really connect to who we really are. That's, that's one of the ways, right? So could you help us, you know, illustrate that maybe with a personal story there of how you did that or what that looks like? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll relate it conceptually first, and then I'll bring it down to a personal level. So um, a, a story would be, if you take a look at the stages from a caterpillar going to a butterfly, and you take a look at those stages like chapters in the life of a butterfly, there's a chapter in there where that looks like absolute mush, where it looks like nothing is happening. That in a psychological age, we could send that to a psychiatrist to get fixed because we could pathologize it. But actually that mush is a necessary chapter in the story of the, of the, of the butterfly. And we, if we can embrace the dark side, instead of wanting to go and fix it or judging ourselves as something wrong with us, we can begin to trust that that darkness, that mush, is a chapter on the journey of, our, of, 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 of the story of our life. So I could give you a half a dozen key chapters, key defining moments in my life. One, when I was 25, I, I was... Uh, I was raised in a very fundamentalist religion, and uh, and I I actually rebelled. See, see I, I grew up in a family that I'll just backtrack a little bit. I I grew up in a family that I would say I was supported and encouraged and loved, but I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe because my dad suffered from mental illness, and we never quite knew when he was going to lose it, and we never quite knew my mom was a rageaholic because that I've understood now in working with this, I understand it's just unresolved grief from losing her husband in the first, her first husband in the war and growing up in a very traumatic, abusive home. And she didn't have a way of healing from that. So she brought that pain as all parents do in their, their, their life story into their relationship. So I lived with this continual uncertainty and my certainty came when I when I I actually rebelled by going to church and I got involved in a very fundamentalist church that where I felt safe. I felt I had a place, I had a leadership role, I worked with kids in a leadership role. And I I, I went through a conformity period until I was 25. And then I began to realize that this isn't me. 
this isn't my authentic self. It was just a way of hanging on to something that made me feel safe. And so I gave up my community. I gave up a marriage. I lost a marriage. I walked away from, a, from, a, uh, from my whole community. And now at the time, it was horrible. But at, in light of time's perspective, looking back at it, I began to realize that was a necessary chapter in my life. If I'd have stayed in a conforming role, in a conforming, safe, certain place within that church, I would have never reached the people that I've meant to reach through this work of authenticity today. But I know that there's several themes in my life that, of that's one chapter in my life. Then I had to face uh, depression in my in my late 30s where I went through a very, very severe depression, came up with, a, with an addiction, walked through that darkness, and got into a recovery program that guided me again to myself. Because, that, you know, and there's, you know I'm, I'm telling you a whole life story here in 10 minutes. Uh, and then I went through a, a journey with my brother, taking care of my brother while he was dying. His dying awakened my living because it helped me appreciate we're all going to be there one day. And coming to peace with dying helped me live more deeply and more appreciatively, because death will teach you that the only moment you have is now. So that's those are a few of the defining moments for me. But each of these experiences were chapters on my journey to guide me back to myself. Mm. Thank you for sharing your story um, or pieces of it, pieces, the chapters, like you say. I think we can all um, pause for a minute and just think about what are what are my defining moments, you know, the ones who, that make me who I am and connect me to who I truly want to be. So I think there's a lot of people like in my practices and and in coaching communities a lot of times and actually even in my own story where you know, if somebody were to ask me, you know, what do you want? I, I don't even know if I could have answered that question. It would have been really hard on um, on authentic level to really answer that because I would have said, you know, I want to travel. I want to be a millionaire. I want to, I don't know. I would have said outside stuff. But what we really want, like within us is, is a question that gets lost in living our lives, I think sometimes. So, if there was an audience member that was sitting here right now thinking, I don't even know what I really want. I don't even really know who, who I am. What would you say to that person? I would say if you're not clear about your passion, you're not clear about your desire, you're not clear about what you really most want in your life, you probably have some healing to do in your life. Because what we do to protect ourselves at some point in our life, whether it's trauma, whether it's abuse or both, whether it's some kind of pain, either in our childhood or earlier in our life, somewhere along the line, we blocked ourselves off in order to protect ourselves. And we did, we did the right thing at the time. Whatever we did to cope with whatever that pain was in our life, was the right thing at the time. Unfortunately, what happens is the very thing that protects us at the time will also protect you from what you want in your life. 
because you block yourself off from yourself in order to feel safe. And so uh, you there's no there's no way around this. You got to go back into your past and and with a guide really go through a healing process. And as we say in the trauma work, you got to look the dragon in the eye. What are you running from? What are you avoiding? It might be grief, it might be trauma, it might be some kind of pain usually is there when we can't connect with our deep desires. There's something there that's protecting us. That's the first place that I would look at. Now, again, if you go back with a guide and you say, no, I'm not running from anything. Um, I, I, it's just simply a desire. Then uh, I, I've never found that to be the case. If you're not clear about your desire, you're running from uh, and I'm not going to say, I don't want to say running because that's a judgment, but there's a protection that has protected you in a good way at one point in your, a necessary way. I don't like to use the word good or bad, a necessary way that's now protecting you from your desires. Wow. I can actually... I, I like. I First of all, I, I just want to say, I think that you are bang on. I think that in my own experience, in my own life, I can think of a very particular time when I was like, I don't even know what I want. I was trying to envision what I wanted, but I was at this crossroads in my life where my career was kind of flattened out. I felt like I'd done everything I could. You know, my kids were becoming independent and I was getting divorced. So the relationship had come to an end and and I was like, I don't even know what I want. Like, I kept going back to the drawing board of like, now what? Now what? I kept asking myself, now what? And what I recognized was that, well, two things. The first one was, is that it had been a long time since I'd really thought about what I wanted. And once I started connecting and, and asking myself those questions and getting still to ask, what I realized was that I had some self-worth that was in the self-esteem, some um, some some healing that needed to happen to believe that I deserved the things that I wanted. So even once I started envisioning that again and started feeling like I could could possibly go that direction, there was still that part of me that was like, but I don't feel like I really deserve it. And I had to do the work and seek the personal growth and read the books and listen to the podcasts and go to the seminars and do those things to kind of peel it back one layer at a time to heal that part of me so that I could step into what was next in my life. I have a gift for you if you head to my website, but before you do, let me tell you why I'm so excited to give this to you. I have never really followed Arnold Schwarzenegger, but recently I came upon an interview done with him where he said, the most important thing is to have a vision and goals. If you do not, you're drifting around and will end up nowhere. That is something I know to be true and completely connect to. This man defied every odd and became Mr. Universe, a Hollywood superstar and a political leader. With accomplishments like that, I think we should all listen to his advice. So I've continued studying the most successful people in the world and they all say the same thing. You must have a vision because when you know what you want, connect with why you want it, 
believe it can happen and take action steps towards it regularly, it will surely happen. I know this is truth in my own life. As a matter of fact, I have four vision boards in my office right now. And every time I look at those pictures, I become motivated and inspired to keep moving forward. It is absolutely incredible to see how many things have been realized. There are things that I put on there that when I did, I never thought they were possible. And now they are done. This really works. My goal in offering you the free DIY Vision Board Starter Kit is to help you live the life of your dreams. Stop drifting around and take the lead on your life, beginning with a vision that inspires you. Head to corliss.ca to claim your free step-by-step guide right now. You, you also bring up, Corliss, a really good point about another way that we can distance ourselves from ourselves. And that is when we go through the necessity of taking care of the world around us. For example, as a parent, particularly as a mom, that you go through a period where, you know what, your whole life is based on taking care of your kids, maybe handling a, a job that you're doing just to pay the bills. And if you go through a period like that, it's really hard to, 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 to do what I'm saying about being authentic. Your authentic self is simply caregiving. And then when the kids leave home, when you no longer have that role, there's an opportunity to slow down and refocus and, and make a career change. Uh, but make sure that you take the opportunity to do that. So it doesn't have to be a trauma a protection against the trauma that keeps you from yourself. It can just surely be, certainly be uh, surviving life and surviving, showing up for what's around you. Um, and so so there, there's, that's, that's another way that we can um, necessarily not pay attention to our soul because our soul at that time is, is, is out of necessity. Mm, yeah, well, you can lose yourself in the process of just living life. I think that happens for for a lot of us. And then one day we go, whoa, like, who am I? What's important to me? You know, like, I don't even know. And that's what ends up happening. Um, I want to ask you about values, because that was something that really kind of guided me back to like, who I was, was my personal values. And um, this was actually in doing the work with Brene Brown um, in the Dare to Lead training, where I really kind of got in touch with what is it that I value? And that was a question I hadn't really asked myself. Like, you know, how often when you're in that space of like just trying to do things out of necessity, surviving your life, taking care of everything you got to take care of in a day, do you sit down and go, okay, what are my personal values? And am I living my life with them? It's almost like it just gets lost in it. So in your work and in your experience, do does def- defining your personal values help you gain clarity on on how you can live the life you're meant to be live and and be authentic to yourself? Hundred percent. Here's the here's the rub. You sit down and say, "What do I value?" And many of us can tell you what the world values, or what my family values, or what my kids value, or what people that I care about value more than I know what I value in myself. And so it's, it's important to stop and slow down long enough to really examine what do you really value. Uh, in my insecure days, I, I can tell you that I, that I followed um, 
motivational speakers. And I, I, I lived in Lethbridge at the time, and I would drive up every once a month and hear, the, hear these motivational speakers. And I took on their values. I thought, well, I'm going to own their values. And, I, and that's how I can feel secure with myself. That's how I can feel safe. Now, it was a good step in the right direction to guide me to my values. But I had to realize they were, they were telling me what to value. And in those days, it was about success. And it was about money. And it was about fame. And it was about bigness. And that was probably a useful thing in my life to catapult me into my profession. And it, it was a good segue into, my, into stepping into a, a successful career, got me started. But then I had to stop and say, hey, listen, whose values am I living here? Who's, what, what value, what is really? So for me, uh, uh, deciding your values is really a lifelong process. It's not a one-hour exercise in a workshop where you sit down and identify your values. It's a good start. But then you begin to really examine what are my values? And we are told over and over and over what to value in our world. Just go to any shopping mall and you'll be told what to value. And, you know, in this consumer society, what we're told is that uh, we're all inadequate. And if you just buy something and value what I'm selling you, you'll be better. Well, that's, that's one path. Consumption is one path. To finding your values, but authentic values, you have to stop, get off of that treadmill and really look deeply at what's important to you. And sometimes life will whack you on the head and throw you on the mat. And while you're lying there, you begin to say, like I did when I was, you know, walking my brother through dying. That's a value clarification. What, you know, when, when your sibling dies and when you take care of him and you massage his feet and feed him and shave him and bathe him, I'll tell you that is a values clarification exercise. What really matters? Because at the end of the day, we're all going to be there. Nobody gets out of this world alive and you'll never see a, a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, as they say. All of this stuff that we accumulate and think is important in our life, let's make sure that we step back and make sure we understand, is this my values or is this what the values of the world is telling me I have to have in order to be happy and successful? Hmm. David, you are speaking right to my heart. I am just so inspired listening to you and envisioning, you know, the story of taking care of your brother. What a truly humbling and beautiful experience and that somehow the fact that we all get to learn from you in that experience, the way you describe it is, is, I don't know, beautiful, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Well, you wouldn't, there... you wouldn't see it in me, Corliss, if you didn't have it in yourself. And so I just appreciate the fact that you value what I have to say and that mm. you would put me in front of your listeners. And I value what you stand for and I value the work that you're doing. You're doing very important work to mm. guide people to their true self. And I see you doing that. I, I know the impact that you've had predominantly on women uh, to help guide uh, guide women to their to their truth self. But I, I, I also know that you impact men on the journey. Mm, thank you for that. That's very kind. I don't uh, we hadn't talked about this and, and perhaps it's it's far too personal, but I'm just wondering if there's anything that that experience with your brother 
is there anything else that you would want to say about that? Because I don't know that anybody, not everybody's going to have the the experience of of caring for someone who's dying. I personally have had not had that experience. I've lost people that I love, um, but just imagining that I, I, I don't know, I guess I just was wondering if there's anything else you wanted to share about that experience. Well, it's a great question. I think what I would say is don't shy away from grief. Grief is a great door opener. I see many people who are opting not to have a funeral today. Um, I see a lot of people who don't go to funerals who are afraid to grieve. Um, and grief is the doorway to the soul and in embrace you know we just lost our queen and you know i i grew up in an age when when we uh when we sang god save the queen in school i've never known anybody other than a queen i've never had a never had a king in my life she came into her position when when i was four you know uh, four years before i was born so i took some time and I reflected and I listened to, I watched some of that funeral and I just embraced, embraced the grief of, an, of the loss of an era and what that woman meant to this world, her constancy, her tradition, her humanity. And I allowed that to touch me. And that's my message is to allow life to touch you. Don't let it consume you, but let it touch you. Because that is the doorway to your authentic self. And sometimes it's not always comfortable, but hang in there. Be with it, whatever it is. Whatever life brings you, embrace it. Embrace it fully, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's fearful, even if it's painful. Be with it. Be with it and walk through it, and you'll come out of, you'll come out of it a better person. Wow. So to the listeners, um, David obviously has a lot to share and we're not going to get it all into this podcast. So I would like you to follow him, connect with him in any way that you feel um, suits you. Uh, David, where, where can they reach you? Well, the best thing to go do is go to my website, davidirvine.com. Irvine spelt just like Irvine, California, I-R-V-I-N-E, davidirvine.com. And uh, you'll see all of the uh, webinars, complimentary webinars that I'm doing, all of the programs that I have coming up. We've got an, an, an online academy, a three-day authentic leadership academy for people who want to live their life, difference makers who want to live their life more authentically and more connected to their soul. We've got these sage forums coming up. But all of that information you can find on my website. Sounds great. So my three closing questions, but before before I ask you them, I just want to do a heartfelt thank you. This was um, very inspiring, very empowering, truly heart-touching, actually. It touched my heart. And um, I want to thank you for taking the time and for your kind words and for sharing your stories and your wisdom with all of us. You've given us a lot of value today. So thank you. Thank you, Corliss. 
Now, uh, the three closing questions, because uh, it was interesting earlier, you used um, the words real leadership in your, you were talking about something you said, you know, real leadership in your studies. And I thought, wow, that's actually the tagline of the podcast. I call it real leadership podcast, because I feel that leadership is about being real, and that we're all have the, the capability to lead and influence others. But what I'd love to hear from you is what does leadership mean to you? Well, first of all, leadership is, has nothing to do with what your title is. Leadership is a presence. It's not a position. So anybody that is committed to making a difference in the world is a leader in my mind. I go back to, to a person who has brought this country together more than any politician in my, age, in my day and age. And that was a man named Terry Fox, a young man named Terry Fox. And he started his mission with a decision at four o'clock in the morning as he looked around the ward where he was, where he had cancer and all the kids around him had cancer. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference. And he got out and he started to run across this country. And he had a vision to maybe, maybe earn a few, you know, um, make a few thousand dollars for cancer research. And to this day, People across this country every year have a, a Terry Fox run. And there's now somewhere in the neighborhood of eight, $800 million that, he has, that his foundation has raised for cancer. And my, my call to your listeners is there's a Terry Fox in all of us who has a desire to step up and make a difference. And if you decide to do that today, imperfectly, but sincerely, you are, by my definition, a leader. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure why that actually chokes me up a little, but it does. It's so true. You have so eloquently um, used the right language to communicate that. Thank you. How beautiful and what a great story to share in a humanitarian that truly was a leader for us to all follow. Um Okay, uh, David, I know you're very educated and you have done a lot of work and a lot of reading and a lot of studying. But if there was just one book that was kind of a game changer for you and one that everyone should read, what book would it be as a recommendation? <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, that's a very good question. Um, well, I'd love to refer you to my own book. I mean, I wrote a book called Caring is Everything. So that's the, I, I, will, I will be a, a little self-serving and, and share that I would hope that people would, would find value in my own book. And it's dedicated to my brother and it's my own journey through the importance of caring when I saw, my, my brother was a doctor and, and he was a very caring individual. And so I dedicated it to him and my whole, my whole philosophy and story around caring. But there is a book that just comes to mind that I love to recommend besides that one. Uh, and that's uh, 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 McCowan's book called Essentialism. And he, 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 he steps, it's the best book that I know on really clarifying what's important in your life and honing in and focusing on what's important. I have a great deal of uh, respect for him. 
Mm, I'm so glad you said your own book. First of all, I think that is so great. That's not self-serving as all at all, because I know you wrote the book to impact other people. So that only makes sense. Besides earlier in the podcast, you said, if you want to learn something, write a book about it. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to learn what you, what you learned. <laughs> so thank you. There's so many books. I, I, I love to continually read, but I, I, I want to come, you know, Elizabeth Lesser's got a great book called The Seeker's Guide, and she, she's wrote another, several other books, but yeah, there's so many books, uh, certainly. Uh, yeah, so anyway, but those, those are some of the ones that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I like that. And actually, I haven't read your book, so I'm so excited. I'm going to order it probably right after we're done, and I'm going to read it. So thank you, David. Um, Now, the very final question, and I know that this is a loaded question because you've had many experiences in your life and you've already shared lots of wisdom and advice with us. But if if you were to consider, you know, all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life, if you were only able to leave one piece of advice, one final piece, what would you want to leave behind? Um, Live life on your terms, not anybody else's. Trust yourself. Trust yourself that you're that you are important enough to make a difference in the world, and trust your own inner voice. And uh, that's that's as best I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is incredible. Thanks again, David. And and you know what? I'm going to say one more thing about a Please book. Please do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one more thing. Here's what I, I think there's a book in all of us, whether it gets published or not, doesn't matter. And you know, the book that I would really recommend is the book that every one of you would read, would write for yourself and for the people in your life that you care about. That's the book that I would recommend. I've never said that before. I've been asked that question several times, but that's the book. I'd like you to all write your own book. And if don't worry if it gets published or not, but write your story and tell your story. That world needs your story and they want it and they're ready for it. Hmm. That is profound. And actually earlier in the episode, when you were sharing about the defining moments and the chapters and telling those stories of those experiences, that my friends could give you a framework for the challenge that, that he has just issued to you. So I think that is an incredible close. Thank you again, David. Thank you, Corliss. All the best in your important vital work. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.